All right, everyone, welcome back. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Panetta. As always, we are downtown in Salem, Oregon, in studio, in Salem's home to Groundwork, our leadership institute here. And pumped. I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it. Our guests are sitting across the table from me right now, uh, Colby and Mackenzie Bauer, founders of Threadwallet, sitting here. So let's just jump in. I mean, tell us uh, why both of you are here. I know that's an obvious question for me, but tell us why both of you are in town today. Yeah. So today we got in, invited. Uh, feel very inadequate to be invited here, but we're the speakers at the what is it? The groundwork or how would I? Yeah, groundwork institute. Groundwork one of institute. our monthly sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So we're the speakers. We get to speak on a topic that we're really interested in is innovation. Awesome. Cool. Where are you coming from? We Tell are us coming, about yourselves. We hail from Provo, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Arizona, Utah's home now. Went to school at BYU, and then uh, transferring back and forth from BYU to BYU Hawaii, playing soccer at both, which was awesome. And then uh, met my wife, Mackenzie, in Hawaii, and we, yeah, got married, moved back to Utah, and so that's where we call home. Yeah. And Mackenzie, you're from Provo, right? Born and raised in Provo, Utah, and then moved to BYU, or Oahu for college. We went to BYU, Hawaii in 2010 and graduated in 2013, and then went back to school or moved back with Colby when he was finishing up school in 2014. Nice. We have two little beautiful girls that we miss. Um, we've only been gone for like 10 hours, but it's still just... Cuties. I've seen pictures. Cuties. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh, four-year-old Ray and a two-year-old, her name's Scotty. Nice. Love after, it. After me and my middle name, Scott. Oh, I didn't know that was your middle name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, just want to say a few things. Any listeners that have been, um, that are returning, Colby was on an episode early on. It's like, one of our first episodes. So that was a really fun one. So if you've heard that one, this is him again here, but with his, you with get his, more, yeah, sorry, <laughs> get the better half. We'll say, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, obviously, you know, I've, I have a connection to both of, both of these two. We went to the same school out in Hawaii. Uh, I got to play soccer with Colby. It was a blast, um, doing that and, uh, proud to be able to call him a, a friend as well as a former teammate. And uh, Mackenzie, I think we were in the same program as mm-hmm. I. We studied peace building. Yes. So that's how I first met you. you what were, year did you finish? I think it was just the year after you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So connections here in the room. It's it's fun. And uh, it's just, yeah, I find it a, a privilege and a blessing to just know people like you to to have this experience and, and you know, collaborate like this and learn from you. So it's likewise. It's, it's truly an honor yeah. and a blessing to to be here. Thanks so. for having us. Yeah. Well, tell us more about yourselves, um, about what you do, a little bit more about who you are, what you love, what motivates you and, and why you do what you do, all that good stuff. I've always been a fan of creativity, entrepreneurship, and I'm just kind of, I mean, this the topic that really comes to mind, entrepreneurship, starting in when I was 14, I was on a flight with my dad and my best friend we were coming back from a wakeboard camp in florida and sitting there just on this high from wakeboarding my buddy chris and i we were just starting to draw all these different shirt ideas and and hat ideas and just like every 14 year old's dream creating a clothing line and we was obviously inspired by wakeboarding so we called it wakeology and we were just brainstorming this whole flight and just stoked on it and my dad was silent the whole time. And then towards the end of the flight, he goes, you guys should do this. And, I, and Chris and I were like, what do you mean? 
And we just kind of had this dream, you know, but he's like, no, let's, let's do it. And we didn't know where to start. So he's like, I'll help you get, you know, your LLC. And I was like, didn't even know what that was. Uh, I'll help you get in like a screen printer. We'll, we'll organize this whole thing and you guys can get off and running. And so that was the, the first little taste of entrepreneurship. My buddy Chris and I got a few shirts printed, a few hats. Um, I want to say a few, a few hundred and got them into local skate shops, sold them out of my That's truck, awesome. got everyone plastered their, their cars with Wakeology stickers across the high school. And it was amazing. It was, it was just like freedom at its finest is creativity. And I just love, love that. So I've always been interested in it. And then fast forwarding into college years, I developed an app. Um, it was called pick play. And so it was a, a game. So if anybody's played apples to apples before it was uh, in essence that game, but with pictures. And so, uh, it didn't, I convinced my dad to give me $20,000 to get it all developed and, uh, got it to its beta version. But um, anybody who's gotten into tech, they know that technology is so expensive to hire developers. It was just, I ran out of money, did this whole event for it too, and got uh, like 65 star reviews on the app store. And then it just flopped. Like I just ran out of money. So, uh, it's something that I learned very quickly out of that one was technology wasn't something I was really interested in, but it was, um, it was really good for me to learn how to design and think through a product and work with team and, and et cetera, et cetera. It was just, uh, amazing. And, uh, anyways, just long story short, always been fascinated with entrepreneurship, creativity, business ideas, um, all of that. Awesome. Kenzie, what about you? Oh man, I wish I could say that I was like, (laughs) do it hustling as hard as he was when he was 14. I babysat, (laughs) which was fun. Um, I went to school at BYU-Hawaii and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of bounced back and forth between special education, psychology, and then I ended up in the peace building program. So I ended up graduating with a degree in peace studies and I tell everyone conflict resolution because that sounds makes more sense in people's mind than peace building and then I minored in political science so I was really into um just like my thought process was okay I'll probably go work for an NGO nonprofit maybe go get my law a law degree and a master's and in conflict resolution and go work for an uh, you know, corporation. I had a lot of different ideas, but that's when I met Colby and we, we came up with our business idea together and the rest is kind of history. I said, see you later to my, my plans. And we decided to chase this dream together, which was really fun. So thread is the business she's referring to. It was, it kind of aligned with the business idea and our dating and marriage was all kind of intertwined. And this was in 2014. I had transferred out to BYU Hawaii, like I said, playing soccer. And I lost my wallet to the ocean. One of the first weeks I was at in Hawaii, just like a noob, a little kook I was. <laughs> and You're I, still a kook. I'm still a kook. <laughs> lost it and went online to find a new wallet, search men's wallets and on Google, it was just an, in the images sec, images section. It was just a never ending scroll of the same wallet that everyone knows and hates, which is a black, brown, big, chunky bifold like George Costanza uses. <laughs> and I didn't want to buy one of those, especially being in Hawaii. It was not minimalist. I wanted minimalism. 
And so I ended up just not buying one. I wrapped a rubber band around my cards in cash and loved how slim it was. It was just easy. And then in one of my classes for an entrepreneurship class I was in at, at BYU Hawaii was to come up with a business idea and launch it online and just kind of see how it would, how it would go. And so started thinking about just the wallet category in general and how not only chunky and bulky it was, but also how boring it was. So combining the, the two elements of minimalism and expression was kind of the, the premise of, of Thread. So I started to just kind of take it to the drawing board, looking at different materials I could use, loved the rubber band. So basically started thinking about, okay, I, I love this so much. How can I make this better? So we used elastic and um, started to try to figure out ways to print on elastic. I didn't have a sewing machine, so I was like gluing everything and just trying to test everything. And then I met this beautiful girl who had a sewing machine <laughs> and her name is Mackenzie. And she not only helped me sew, but she also helped me develop out the product even further. So that's where she added the key ring and became, uh, for women, it became an alternative to a purse. So it was uh, a simple wallet that I thought was just going to be a guy wallet, front pocket use, but now it's uh, 88% of our audience is female and they, you know, use their lanyards attached to it. They attach their keys, their gym passes, et cetera. It's, um, and obviously the product line has expanded into phone case wallets, bifold wallets, um, lanyards. We have AirPod cases now, crossbody bags. So a lot of different other carry accessories. But it all started with a very, very simple, almost overly simple idea. And um, with the help of Mackenzie, we're able to come up with something that actually worked. Love that. Love the whole story. Um, mostly because uh, I knew you before it all. So it was just kind of fun to see, <laughs> yeah, see, right. see it change. It's kind of cool. Yeah, you uh, were a part of that story. I remember taking it, like you said, we, I brought a bunch of wallets to the soccer field and passed yeah. them out and just got people's ideas. I remember actually even before one of our California trips, thinking about the name that we wanted to call it and asking people, do you like the name Thread? Like, does it come off, like, how does it come off to you? Yeah. And just asking everybody about that. Yeah. So you were definitely part of that. A, a, a focus group for you. Exactly, yeah, the soccer team <laughs> was my focus group. Yeah. yeah, and I think we talked about on the last podcast, I remember when, you know, things were kind of rolling a bit for you with it. You know, you're making the decision, am I going to be all in in this? We went to some of those combines and yeah. the whole time you were just doing stuff with Thread on the computer and I was sitting around, I think, playing Xbox or something <laughs> yeah. while we're sitting in the... Which I loved watching every yeah. now that I look up. I, I like, was distraction yeah. to you, man. It was great. I loved it. No, uh, that was a big fork in the road for me because I had this opportunity to be, uh, kind of follow my dad's footsteps and be a financial advisor which is very much this like A plus B equals C mentality. It's very traditional way of thinking. It's proven, it's safe and all that. And, and that was what was enticing about it to a degree. But also part of me had that little entrepreneurial bug that I got when I was 14 years old and I just couldn't let it go. And so this wallet idea was screaming our name. And I, you know, both Mackenzie and I loved that, that aspect of freedom and chasing our own dream and um, building something ourselves. And so then we also had, I was going to combines and we went to one, Chris, you uh, two, two, actually yeah. two together and started getting some offers and some opportunities to play professional soccer. So that one was also enticing, but I just remember thinking my feet just hurt so bad. I can't, I can't do this any longer. <laughs> I remember that last combine, I got this crazy blister on my toe and I was so stupid. I cut it off with like scissors and it got infected and it just hurt my feet. And I was like, I'm done with this. Like I need to turned the page, entered to a new chapter of my life. 
And so a fork in the road was, what do we do from here? You know, I had this pressure from Mackenzie's dad. I remember when I asked her, asked him if I could marry Mackenzie and he was like, what are you going to do? Like, what's your, how are you going to provide for the family, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I have all these ideas. And he's like, well, if you ever mess up, like, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Thought okay. he was joking. Stone cold. I was like, oh, all right. Uh, and I believed him because he's a, he has a full, a closet full of guns. Like, he's a hunter, like, pretty stern guy. I was like, oh my gosh. All right. I got to figure this out. So yeah. all this pressure and uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of thought of just, what do I do? And for us, it was this, the analogy I use is my dad had this, firm, this financial firm built up. He had it all ready to go. And he was basically handing me the shovel. Here's the gold mine. All you have to do is dig. That's it. And for whatever reason, my personality didn't like that. It didn't, I didn't like the idea of just knowing where things were and that this Mm. was just this like traditional way. For me, I really wanted to, and with Mackenzie, I'm so glad that she was the same way. We wanted to go find our own gold mine. And it wasn't necessarily about the gold. It was about the journey of finding yeah. the gold and and what that would do for our marriage and for ourselves is learning. And so, you know, for us, like being the 49ers, so to speak, and rushing to the gold rush and and seeking that opportunity, to me, that's entrepreneur that's the entrepreneurial spirit. That yeah. that's what that's where we thrive and that's where we what we love. Yeah, I think uh I think a lot of people have a bug in them of you know, going after the gold, not necessarily from a financial perspective, but just to do something right to live to a, a, a level of potential that they have, right? Uh, which I think everybody has, right, and can be unlocked, right? But I have this saying I heard some time ago. I don't remember from who it was, but I think about it all the time. It's because we often say, "Well, someday I'll do that," right? Someday I'll yeah, I'll right. get there, right? But the saying that I again I heard many years ago that I just always think about is the path to, of someday leads to the town of nowhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. The path of someday leads to the town of well, nowhere. Cause it gets harder, especially with mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. We started at the most optimal time was we didn't have kids. We didn't yeah. have too many bills or liabilities. Like we were starting our marriage together. We were like the only way to go is up. And so it, as you get more of that on your plate, you know, or you get locked into a, a really beautiful, cushy corporate job where you got all the benefits and the high pay and it's really difficult to leave that. And mm-hmm. so we felt, okay, if we're ever going to do it, it's now. And let's just give it all we got for the next six months. Let's just seriously just crush it. And, and if it doesn't work out, then we can cross that road. But if it does, like, what does that open up for us? And fortunately mm-hmm. for us, it, it worked out. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that we really had nothing to lose. We were living in my parents' house. And I remember every day my dad coming home and you'd be sitting on the chair in the corner and I'd be sewing wallets in the the office of their house. And he'd just kind of look at us like, what are these two fools doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His questions weren't as like uh, sincere. They were like kind of, yeah, in essence, like, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. You know, like, are you sure you want to be doing this? And I was like, yeah. like how's it coming? Yeah, how, like, are, the how are things wallets? going? We're like, we're selling wallets, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then slowly but surely he was like, oh, you guys made, made 140000 your first year. Oh, 
Yeah. Okay. It's just the two of you. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now over 20 million, you said? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So have you like got him a really nice gift and said, here. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we Actually, all, we we're living him. in his house again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a mission uh, for the LDS church. Oh, okay. So are you guys what? Like we're, yeah, yeah we're now for- sitting for three years. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So we still owe him. <laughs> yeah, we still owe him. There were burn marks on the carpet when we lived with them six years ago. And now there's like crayon stains and marker stains and juice what's so uh lightning about that too though is how supportive he was even though his he's a financial advisor too so both my father and Mackenzie's dad they're like what are you doing man yeah but they were both supportive Mm -hmm. and and I think if you don't have that as an entrepreneur it's so hard to break the mold Mm -hmm. because if if your parents are just constantly telling you this is how it is there's no other way then you're probably not going to break out of that unless you're extremely rebellious and then you know you're like a born entrepreneur but you know it does it i think there's an entrepreneur in everybody but it has to be fed and it has to be you have to be willing to make that leap and sometimes it's just that much more difficult based on circumstance and or how you're raised etc etc yeah yeah, so it's not as easy for everybody fortunately we had parents that were supportive and yeah and if it's not your parents it's it could be a spouse it could be a friend it could be other people in your life that are just you know yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I love that. I love love this hearing the 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 origins stories of behind all of it because people see the end, they see the they see what's come of it, but they don't often you know understand everything that that went into it. Little things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many little little, little teeny things. I mean, one so of, much anxiety, so much. Uh, I mean, contention between Mackenzie and I. We've, I mean, numerous arguments early on. I mean. Mm-hmm. Getting into business and starting a marriage right off the bat is as tricky. And what's nice, though, and the blessing that comes from it is you have to figure it out and you learn to communicate. And you I feel like you expedite a lot of those learnings and understandings of each other early on so that the rest of your life can be more fluid and so now we I'd don't like to think so <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean turn an argument a week or a day to a week to a month now you know it's uh few and far in between but when they do happen they're pretty gnarly <laughs> we make up for uh the quality of our arguments make up for the quality well the uh the peace builder in me as well has to say that just because we studied something like that doesn't make us exempt at all. Yeah. My wife often says, you suck at this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can know it, but it's really hard. Oh, it's so Colby hard. would say that to me too. What would your teachers tell you? And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Um, no, I love that. You know, the small, the small and, and simple things, one of my favorite sayings, it's scriptural, you know, it's small and simple things, great things come to pass. And and I think certainly the story um, behind Thread and your story together is, is um, you know, as a result of, of that principle. Small yeah. and simple things, great things come to pass. Yeah, that's uh, one characteristic of an entrepreneur that... You could say small and simple wallets. Great things come to pass. <laughs> small and simple wallets. You, <laughs> I, wa- pun I watched the commercial you guys did a while ago of going, you know, making sweet, passionate wallets. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Oh, yeah. Go check that out on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just thinking through what are some characteristics of being an entrepreneur? How does that translate to if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not starting your own company or yes. you're at the head of a company or whatever, you can still be entrepreneurial. And what to me what that means is you're proactive, you're constantly looking for problems to solve and you're not looking for really approval to solve those problems. You're, you're 
ambitious enough to do them yourselves mm-hmm. and think creatively. Um, and also to your point, entrepreneurials have grit, you know, and I think of, and I always relate the entrepreneurial mindset to the 49ers who were the first on scene during the gold rush. They were the first to come out and just explore and look for gold and get it by a shovel and, and a pan and just go look for the gold. And they had grit. I mean, these guys were like, you know, they had to commute from across the country and go hike in the mountains and do all that for the sake of gold. But I also think it's not just the gold, as mentioned before, it, it was the adventure and it mm-hmm. was, so they're, they're, they're welcoming to a challenge. They're welcoming to, um, they're not shy of taking on, uh, some things that are scary and hard to, and for the sake of what could be. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love when you talk about that story, how you say sometimes, some of the best entrepreneurs of that time period were the people who sold the shovels. Yeah. Yeah. The guys who made the more, the most money weren't the sold guys the buying. Yeah. They were the ones that sold the shovel. Yeah. It's like there was the innovation there is just looking for that problem and being like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this problem instead of go search for that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm seeing a, a difference, you know, when you talk about problem solving and you can correct me if, if maybe I'm off, but you know, there's problem solving that people face every day, you know, things come up and it's like the fire you have to put out. But I feel like the problems that you're talking about are it's, it's the proactiveness of looking for, there's a problem here and nobody's doing anything about it. I'm going to find a solution instead of waiting for the problems and the fires to put out, which I think most people, that's, that's what they think of when problem solving. It's, oh gosh, you got to deal with this. Being reactive. Oh gosh, I got to deal with this. Being being proactive. yeah. Yeah. But you're, it feels like the problems you're talking about are there's a problem here and it seems like nobody's doing anything about it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. The guy selling, selling the shovels is these people need some shovels. He, he noticed gonna, a problem. Yeah. Gonna, and he made, do a, something about it. made a solution. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We just listened. We just read the book, um, authentic by Paul Van Doren, who started Van's shoe company. And he was talking about who. My in favorite his, shoe. Yes. Great shoe. I feel like everyone would agree on that one. Um, he Not was working enough. for a rubber mill in his really young years and they made shoes and he saw a problem with like the factory line and how things flowed. And he was like, I'm going to fix it. And he asked his boss and his boss said, no, things are working. And he was like, no, I'm still going to fix it. (laughs) So he like stayed after, like did, you know, did some finaglings and he stayed after and he fixed the problem. And you lo and behold, you know what happens. Like Vans is what it is today in that factory that he worked for no longer. Yeah. exists but it's because of that like go-getter mindset that being proactive about the problem solving is yeah. is huge that's i think what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur yeah and i think to the detriment of paul van doren's boss there was that he didn't allow him to be have the autonomy to just make that decision paul luckily just broke the mold and and rebelled and just did it without his approval but i think as a leader you know and and if you're in a company surround yourself with and and just i guess create an environment where problem solving and making decisions giving them the autonomy and the ownership of a department is so crucial mm-hmm. in allowing that entrepreneurial mindset to happen and that's where that's where the magic happens to me yeah to, um what's coming to mind this is a principle in our in our curriculum as well in the rooted framework um especially when we talk about innovation and what we call seeds uh, you know, which are ideas, because uh, we have thousands of ideas a day, maybe not that much, but we have a lot of ideas. Some of them are good. Some of them are great. Some of them come 
result in something, some of them result in nothing. But tell us where you feel humility comes into play when you're talking about entrepreneurship and innovation. I mean, how, because that's a, that's the foundational and first principle of our innovative innovation section. And sometimes people are like, I feel like innovators, because we tie innovation to like a Steve Jobs, right? They don't seem very humble. That's what people say. Right, right, right. But I, I feel like humility is such a key component to innovation. Can you speak to that? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think so. To, for Thread's core values, they, they spell it chief. So it's creativity, humility, integrity, entrepreneurship, and freedom. So those first two, creativity and humility, they have to come hand in hand. I think without humility, it's hard to be creative because you rely on validation. You rely on other per people's perspectives. And um, not only that, but from a leader standpoint, if you're too prideful or uh, I guess scared to let go of the control and let people be creative, let people yeah. have the autonomy, innovation comes to a screeching halt because mm -hmm. they're so they're always looking to you as is this what I can do you know and there's always that like chain of command that I think to me it it prevents flexibility and creativity and so it requires a whole lot of humility to just let go yeah and just trust that the people you've hired are most likely smarter than you if you did a good job at hiring they should be and to know that and just trust that they will come up with a better solution that together that, you know, with their set of skills and their mindset that they can do it. And they need that. If they don't have that freedom and autonomy and that feeling of trust, then you can pretty much just chalk it up to a failure as like you're, you're going to be a, a Titanic mm -hmm. and crash into an iceberg as opposed to like a, a speedboat that can dodge and, and be creative and, and flexible. Uh, no, I love this in our curriculum. We, we talk because you mentioned pride. We actually talk a lot about pride as the opposite of humility, and we talk about pride in in terms of the comparison. You know, the pride is in the comparison. When we start to compare ourselves, which you which you mentioned, you know, that's when it becomes uh, prideful, and we start to you know um, lose the the humility, right? Because pride's in the comparison, and we we even mm -hmm. categorize it to there's we call it up pride and down pride, sort of pride that's you know opposite of humility, where I feel like I'm I'm the bee's knees, I know it all, I have all the answers, and everybody else is idiots, right? But then there's this version of down pride, which I think doesn't sit well for most people because they feel like, oh, humility put, you know, it means I'm humble, but they mistake it for a lack in confidence, right? But down pride is feeling that I don't have any of the answers, that I don't have any of the solutions, mm -hmm. and I offer nothing, and other people are better than I am, right? But both forms of pride I'm actually still focused on me because mm. I'm comparing myself to others, yeah. which becomes, um, I think, a problem and detrimental to to uh, relationships in general. But in this case, certainly to innovation, right? Um, and and so that's a you know that's a key part. And so I, I was really curious on on your thoughts there with humility, um, yeah, and innovation. I think for the longest time as a leader, I mean, I'm still young. I'm only 31, and starting a company, it, it was so scary for me and uh, I, I guess I, I was, you know, called into a few different other like leadership responsibilities prior to starting a company, mm -hmm. but I never felt, I always had this imposter syndrome. I never felt like I should be there. And so to your point, it was a pride on the fact that I didn't feel adequate or I just didn't feel confident enough. So I would sit back and I wouldn't really lead. I, you can't lead from the back. And I, I didn't step up when I should have. And 
you know, it prevented me from, from creating a, a better environment or a better team on, on soccer or whatever it was that I was leading. And I think to your point, I've finally figured out where my super skills are, like where I, where I feel mm -hmm. like I can bring value, where yeah. I feel where I can be better than most people, um, which is only like really usually one spot. And, mm -hmm. and I have to rely on everybody else to be, have their superpowers and, and yeah. lift where they stand. But once you can identify where you actually are good and you feel confident in that, that's where you can bring the value and enable people to be their best. And, and you can come together as a stronger whole. But I, I love that point. You can, you can almost be uh, on the flip side and just be like not confident enough. And then it, it can yeah. screw things up. Yeah. I mean, and, and you can see how that pan plays out in an organization, right? If, if a culture is such that people don't feel like they can speak up or, you know, they're feeling like, uh, I don't have anything to offer because they're not, there's not a culture of them being unleashed, right? Then you miss out on opportunities because what if the idea that that person has is the right thing, Yes, that's but they're not going to say anything because right. they have this down version of pride. It could be extremely detrimental to innovation because they're not saying what should be said. True. And perhaps the up pride people are the ones dominating the conversation and what they have to say isn't actually the right Interesting. Thing. It's so true. Wow. That's a good, very, very good you point know. way to articulate that. It makes yeah. total sense to me. Yeah. What do you think, Kenzie? Anything else you'd want to add to that idea of humility and humility not much. or entrepreneurship for that matter? I just think it's so important as leaders to be humble. Like you have to set the, the precedent and the tone of your company. And if you can't be humble, you can't, if you feel like you can't admit weakness or failure, then nobody else in your organization is going to be able to do so as well. And it just creates a lot of problems. Wow, I think you just kind of poked the head at one of the biggest points to me in an organization and for entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs aren't afraid to fail. And if if you can kind of instill that that mindset into people, I would say that fear of failing is probably what halts innovation huh. the most. That's like the biggest dam. But you can break down that barrier and say, Hey, it's okay to fail. Like I failed many times and be vulnerable, whether that's in your personal life, you know, talking about mental health issues or, um, you know, for me, I deal with ADHD and, and anxiety and being open about that and kind of what I'm faced with. Other people can be open in our environment, in our culture. And then it's not uncommon for people to, I guess, just get on a, on a real basis. Whereas mm -hmm. I think too often, and I would kind of just reflecting on the corporate world is you feel this obligation to be perfect in everything you do and not to show weakness, not to yeah. show failure. And, and that right there just damns innovation. It yeah. damns progression. And so from a leader standpoint, what Mackenzie's saying, and I totally agree is that you have to set the tone. You have to say, it's okay. Like you have the freedom to fail. Like you fail, like it's okay. It's okay. And we'll learn from it. We'll, we'll progress from it. But if they don't feel like they can fail, then they're not going to try something new. Mm -hmm. And they're, yeah, they might not share their ideas to your point. Like it's, yeah, I, I love that point. Yeah. You know, I always come back to this portion of our, our curriculum. It's probably, we probably talk about it the most in all of our episodes, but I think that's for a reason. I think it's just relevant in so many environments, but our deepest section of soil, we call it deeply see. And there's four components to, to deeply seeing that we talk about. And I feel like you're touching on all of them. And the first is to know your why, right? Like have a, have a purpose uh, in life that is deep and meaningful. That's a driver, no matter 
what your circumstances are, find your why. We call that being rooted in. And then the second piece is to dare to explore social space and be curious. Don't get outside your comfort zone, right? Try something new, meet new people, learn from other people around you. Uh, incredible benefits can come from that. Uh, and then the third is to be emotionally transparent, which I feel you're talking about right now. Meaning, does it, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, wear your emotions on your sleeve, right? Uh, it means to know what holds you back um, in your relationships and in the things you're involved with and then do something about it. And then the fourth is to use your suffering well. Um, you know, everybody suffers, but we can choose to let that suffering completely inhibit us and resent, make us resentful and bitter and angry, or we can use that suffering to, to really, um, benefit those around us and benefit the things that we're involved in. So I, I was thinking of that as you were, you were speaking, cause I think it's foundational, which is why it's the deepest level of our soil, which is also the hardest to cultivate. You know, I mean, how many people can state their why, you know, and, and, and state it clearly and. How many people are willing to explore social space? I'm certainly not all all the time, and I'm definitely not emotionally transparent in, in every in every interaction and, and environment I'm in, and I I struggle using my suffering well. So, yeah, I think to that last point, where if you can, if you're not in a good mental space, if you're not healthy or stable mentally, it will whether that's parenting or leading a company or just whatever it is in every aspect of your life, it can disrupt the environment and, and cause a, a kind of a domino effect mm. of, of negativity. And so I think part of being humble is being selfless, mm. but then the other side of the coin is being selfish and making sure that you take care of yourself yeah. and do the things to cope or that will make you healthy and stable so that when you are present, you're not going to drag everyone else down and it, mm -hmm. it can uplift and create that good, solid environment. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I find a, I find a paradox, at least for me in my life, a paradox with, you know, what's a common term of self-care, taking care of yourself. Right. Um, and I find it a unique paradox because usually when I'm in the need of that, cause I, I get, you know, ask my wife very OCD about things and I get anxiety. When I feel like there's a loss of control, I start to, every little thing sets me off a shoe out of place. It's like, <laughs> ah, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I have these, I have these challenges it's usually when I have a lot of stress or, and things on, on, on my plate and I may, I start making everything about me. And so it's interesting that with the paradox I find is that when the best self-care for me is when I stop, when I start to actually think about others, right? I start to invest a little more in my time with my little ones. I start to serve my my spouse a little bit more. I start mm. to think of the needs of my colleagues around me, how some of those feelings go away, right? Because yeah. I was wrapped up in them before. And so my best version of self-care, and I'm I'm not talking about, you know, it's, I obviously I, I take care of, I, I go to the gym every morning. I right, try to be right. active. I love riding my motorcycle. That's, a, that's huge in my mental health, you know, things of that nature. But, but at the root of it, I always find that I got to, I got to stop getting in my, my own way. And I find the answer usually when I'm when I lose myself in, in others and the needs of others um, is the best version of, of, I guess, the most sustainable version of, of self, self-care. Um, you know, uh, I have a story to share, but you guys are the guests, so I don't want to, no, I don't want to take, 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 take any, take any more uh, over. Um, you know, but that, you know, that was uh, just on this topic just came to mind. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I struggled a lot with, with anger and, and uh, I was always upset and I had an addiction that was plaguing to me and, 
And I was always in search of something that was, you know, what's going to relieve me from this. And the thing for me then was athletics. I'd, I'd, anything, anything athletic, I would just want to be involved in. I would stay so long after practice just to do something. Cause I knew that as soon as I left, I was going to get wrapped up in all my, my issues. I'd be upset. I'd fall into my addiction, you name it. And it wasn't until I went to school, which I actually wanted to, we're coming to an end here soon. I wanted to close with this idea of the school that we went to, cause I'm sitting here and I realized, Hey, we all went to this amazing school. Uh, in, in Hawaii that has an incredible vision. And I feel like you guys are living that vision, which I want to get to. But I finally, I went to school and I was introduced to these ideas about relationships and being in relationship with others and what sort of relationships can those be? Do I want them to be? Because I get to choose what sort of relationships I want to be in. I can't escape the fact that I'm in a relationship with others. Uh, you know, they matter to me or they don't. But for the first time, I was sitting in this environment learning these principles and I was I sat there and I started to feel a little better, right? And I started to find kind of a relief from some of these ba- this baggage I was carrying. And all of a sudden, I looked back on my life and I thought about all these moments in my life where it wasn't about Chris, you know? And I could only actually count probably on one hand, like the times <laughs> in my life that, that I had these amazing experiences where I felt so much joy and love. And it was never about me. It was always something with family or friends that I was just not thinking of myself. And those were the moments that actually, it was like a boost. I would, I would feel the best mentally. The addiction wasn't a problem. And, and I realized for the first time, like more than sports, like those moments are what, what gave me the most relief. And, and so I, I decided in that moment as an 18-year-old that, man, I need to seek after those things. Like I need to find something in life that is going to get me focused off myself because I think that's what's going to help me the most. And I'm going to kind of put me on this journey. But I want to end, you know, because we're, we're, we're running out of time and we got to make it over to the, the session here. Uh, you know, when you first started talking, you're sharing your story. I couldn't help but think about um, the vision of, of BYU Hawaii. And it's a unique school. It's in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> on a small island on the North Shore. I mean, there's nothing out there. There's food land and <laughs> a few other things. Yeah. Uh, and the school just, I mean, it's just random. And there's hundreds of different countries represented there. People from all over the world come and just an amazing place. But the purpose, you know, the story behind it uh, was from an individual who had, as he called it, a vision that it could be a place. Uh, and both of you know this, it could be a place where people come and learn and grow and then go out in the world and be an influence for good and even spread peace. Right. And that's what he saw. He like saw that this could be a place that can do that. And I really fell in love with that. In fact, if you ask me my why today, that that's very much a part of it. Um, but it's, it's amazing to see people like yourselves that, you know, that were part of that school and learned things there and grew there. I mean, your story of starting started in that environment, in, in that area. It's just I amazing. Small and simple wallets. Yeah. Great things are about <laughs> yeah. You know, and the class that, you, you know, the classes that you took, the relationships that you made, yeah. you know, coming together. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, you know, a few times the which, you know, the church that we belong to is the ones that run the school. And many times it's been tried to shut down because it's kind of a financial headache. You know, it's hard to run a school in the middle of nowhere. But the leaders always are saying, don't you know that that's where young men and young women and people come together and they fall in love? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are a result of that. You know, it's like, why would we take that away when there's amazing people? That's the place that they're going to meet. So I, you know, I just, I can't help but feel inspired from your energy that you have because you're doing amazing things in the world and you're definitely leaving an impact um, and a legacy and, and, and you're being an influence for good in the world. 
uh, and I appreciate um, you you sharing that with others. You know, you're letting it, you're being the open book, and you're un, you're unleashing um, the potential in others. Right, yeah. you're making things uh, people realize what what's possible um, within themselves, and I think that that's just an amazing um, print that you're leaving. Oh, thank you. Thank you, and thanks for sharing that story with us of your experience. That's, yeah, I think really powerful, and I think a lot of people when they think back in their life can recognize the same. Yeah. You know, that it's when you're around other people, serving other people, that's when you feel like the best about yourself and your purpose. Yeah. I also believe that when you can discover your why and, and you have good intentions behind what you're doing, things fall into place Yeah, and, and the stars align more often than not. And to one of those points, we knew we wanted to give back with thread. You know, we, we create, wallets, we sell product, all that, but we wanted to give back in some way mm-hmm. and praying really hard about what, how to, how to do that. What avenue can we do that in? And things got worse before they got better with, uh, my mom's addiction. She was, she's been an alcoholic my whole life. My dad got addicted to alcohol as well. Um, you know, just my own mental health suffered, especially through 2020. But out of that came an amazing answer to my prayer was that's where I can give back. And so mm-hmm. Our slogan at Thread is carry on. And so we help you carry your products, but we also help help to carry on emotionally and mentally. And so part of that is we're creating a, a nonprofit foundation to help kids with mental health issues and to get them involved in action sports, that, the things that have helped us. So I think sometimes the answer to why doesn't always come right away. And sometimes it takes and requires a lot of hard work and trial to get there. But if you can have your eyes set on it, then it will be unraveled and um, things become beautiful. And we hope to make a difference. I love that. Thanks for sharing um, what you're up to on that side of things um, and, the, and the reason behind it. It's really powerful. Love that. Uh, you know, in closing, I'd love to hear, you know, from both of you, you probably already said it, but you can maybe reframe it. But what, what do you feel um, is the biggest takeaway a listener can, can have from this? We've had thousands of people start listening to this from all over. It's kind of funny how that's happened. We didn't plan that, but uh, it was meant for our community and we have people all over listening to it. Um, I mean, what's your message to to people that, uh, you know, that are listening right now, Uh, given what we've talked about, we've talked about entrepreneurship, we've talked about innovation, we've talked about humility, we've talked a little bit about mental health or why, and there's so much wrapped in there. Uh, You know, what's a, what's a, a quick paragraph from each of you couple sentences of what what should be folks takeaways from today yeah i am actually thinking back to a post i did on linkedin a while ago about how at thread wallets we have established our core values which i believe colby's mentioned creativity yeah creative creativity humility integrity entrepreneurship and freedom and setting those in place has really helped guide how we do business who we hire our why, like it's really helped us establish that. So I would just encourage people, no matter what your career path looks like, your family dynamic, whatever you're doing, um, choose some core values for yourself. Yeah. Like what am I going to live by and what's going to guide me and my purpose and then stick to those. Mm. And I think that that will help answer a lot of questions as you make decisions in your life regarding career, family, work ethic, um, service, 
religious opportunities, whatever it is, if you understand your core values and who you are and who you want to become, that will really help. I love that one. Mine, I would say, is everyone's path is totally different where, you know, I don't knock the whole A plus B equals C traditional way of thinking in life. I, I, that's not what my intention was to to bring that up is that's that's a beautiful way of life mm-hmm. and that works. And based on circumstance, based on where you're from, um, potentially what you look like, what language you speak, the color of your skin, um, your faith, you name it. There's just so many walks of life. So uh, that means whatever you've been dealt, you know, you ha- you're going to have a different path. Mm-hmm. And so never comparing your path to somebody else's path or comparing your first steps of your journey to somebody's middle of the mm-hmm. road, right? There's so, there's so many different parts of the path that people could be on. And so comparison is, um, is scary and it's um, really toxic. And so I think just our world would be a better place and your organizations would be a better place. Your families would be a better place if we seek for understanding and mm. try to get on their side of the table and in their shoes and, and really look at it from, okay, even if they're my sibling, they have had a, a very, very similar raising, a similar environment of all that. Well, my sister has, uh, you know, ADD. My sister has, she's dyslexic or she's an abusive husband or she's been um, raped or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there's trials that we we don't see. And a lot of times they're physical and they're visible and other times they're not. Mm -hmm. And I think um, just being sensitive to all that is probably the most powerful lesson I've learned through leading a company and seeing a, just so many people and interacting with them at an intimate level of just understanding who they are, why they are the, the, the way that they are and all that. And it just, I think we can come together and, and seek for understanding better in our world. Yeah. Love that. Inspiring. You know, seriously, you guys are uh, motivating um, to just listen to. That's likewise. Yeah. I, I love We're it. Grateful um, to be here, dude, honestly. So, so, so grateful for, for, to be able to call you friends. Um, I hope you know that I'll probably reach out <laughs> throughout my life to you, right? Uh, just to learn and to to stay connected. Um, I value um, relationships that I've built, and certainly ones with with the both of you. So, um, definitely added to our our institute today through what we've done just this morning, and we're going to head over right now, and and you'll get to spend time with some of these leaders in a more intimate setting. Um, and I know you guys will be yourself and you'll, you'll have humility. It's one of my, my favorite things about, about you and Colby, just, you know, getting to know you a lot more and, and being your teammate and, and everything. It's just, I, I've always admired the humility there. And, um, I know that, I know that you married up, which means yeah. that you're 100, which means your wife <laughs> probably has, has, uh, you know, the, the same amount, if not more not of those wonderful arguing. attributes. <laughs> Depends on when you catch her. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. So, uh, just appreciate both of you um, and appreciate all of the listeners tuning in. Uh, keep listening. We always love to have these wonderful guests on, different guests and different perspectives to learn from and to grow. And so with that, take care. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the show and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>